Inside Westminster, Chapter 208, Friday the 13th. The PM knew there would be trouble when he read the email from the MP for one of the Red Wall constituencies in which said MP had requested a debrief from Potty himself, giving him clear guidelines as to what precisely had debarred him from the promotion to a senior government position for which he had applied and for which he was clearly qualified. Potty couldn't give the real reason, which was simply that Mandy would have gone fucking crackers, her exact words, if the honourable gentleman had won the elevation. The unfortunate MP had been dragged through the mire, having spent months defending his name in an expensive court case after being accused of groping a female at a Christmas drinks party. Potty couldn't see what the fuss was about. He'd done precisely that at many parties and was saddened that parliamentary women folk were not, indeed, flattered any more by such attentions. Potty wondered at the transformation of his beloved, whom he had courted, wooed and won, in dark corners at Christmas drinks parties, and fondly remembered moments in cupboards where they'd both got seriously hot under the collar. But this was now, and that was then. The green and woke world of Mandy Swinton Eagle, whose orbit he was enthralled to, now reigned supreme, so trying to make light of the fact that the man had been exonerated without a stain to his name simply couldn't be mentioned. Melania, Melania hadn't seen her husband for days, a small mercy for which she was grateful. He was behaving like a child who'd been sent to stand in the naughty corner, sulky, whingy, impossible to fathom, let alone love or even like. She was hoping against hope that he wouldn't carry out his threat to ignite the already inflamed tensions between Republicans and Democrats across their great nation and his promise to move heaven and earth to prove that the election had been fraudulent. She longed for a return to her simplistic life, not without its luxuries, where she could just live. Instead, she was involved in an ugly internecine war, herself and her son on one side, and Trump's offspring by various wives and their spouses on the other. Weirdly, and perhaps the only time in his life, Trump was performing an uncomfortable balancing act, sitting on the fence. Look, Melania, Trump would say, you are never going to drive a wedge between me and my children, so don't even try. Well, what about our son? She always retorted, adding, and me. Trump knew he'd met his match in battles of will and cleverness, so would usually walk away at that point in the row. But this time, he simply said, just wait till this is all over, then we can negotiate. Negotiate what, she'd always thought, not really caring at all if they were to divorce. Theirs had always been a transactional marriage, which meant once she'd produced a child once she'd remained at his side through all the embarrassing twists and turns of his life as president. Though, due to his oversized ego, that usually meant walking a few paces behind, she'd be rewarded. Which hopefully meant she and their son would be made more than comfortable for the rest of their lives. No skivvying for Melania, 
no embarrassing court cases to up any mean alimony, and definitely no sniping at each other, using the media as a weapon of mass destruction, to which most other warring and bitter divorcing couples seem to inexplicably resort. No, there would be none of this. Dignity was to be preserved at all cost, which seemed totally incongruous to every act, every other act involving Trump. Which is why Tony, Melania's personal masseuse, was totally besotted as she was the nearest thing to a goddess on earth he'd ever met. Back in London, the PM got pinged by his own track and trace programme. He'd come into contact with an MP who, who later had tested positive for COVID-19. And for all to see, they had a joint photograph to commemorate their meeting, held over breakfast, standing less than a metre apart. What is it about two metres that clever people seem not to understand? Mandy later said to her parents over supper that evening at Chequers. And so Potty had to succumb to another round of self-isolation, just as the pandemic crisis was crescendoing upwards with the second national lockdown and Brexit talks were reaching their final agonising denouement. To add insult to injury, Potty managed to stamp his concrete-clad feet all over the SNP and their perpetual quest for independence by telling a gaggle of Northern Research Group politicians, via Zoom naturally, that devolution had been a disaster, later confirming that he had not misspoken, his word not ours, and adding that it was one of the biggest mistakes of the Blair Premiership. Again, Mandy moaned to her parents, Honestly, thinking before inking is definitely not my beloved speciality. As she watched PMQs, another misspeak dropped from Potty's lips when he called the SNP the Scottish Nationalist Party, and then, instead of just saying it was a slip of the tongue, he managed to sound as though he really hadn't realised that part the party was national and not nationalist. Is he losing his grip? Has Covid affected his brain? Mandy mulled over these questions with her parents, who had no answers other than, well, he does manage to father beautiful children, so at least we can be grateful for that. And Mandy couldn't disagree.